Broadcasting live from sunny South Florida, this is KMA Talk Radio. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of fine cigars. Your KMA crew, the Italian scallion, Paul DeGracco, Alex Tavella, a.k.a. The Goat, and always telling it like it is, Honest Abe. I like to smoke them like the witch Good morning to all our loyal listeners, libertarians, and lovers of the leaf. Thank you for joining us this morning for KMA episode number 427, broadcasting live from sunny South Florida. I am always here as your host, Honest Abe DeBavna, with my cohorts, the Italian scallion himself, Paul DeGracco. Hi. And a.k.a. the GOAT, Alex Tavella. Good morning. Look at that nice scenic background you got going on there. Good morning, good morning. Reporting live from somewhere. Right. Is that Philadelphia? It is Philadelphia. Look at that. Alex getting all high tech on us. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> is, wow. is this because you wish you were home? Uh, no, I tend to not really go home. So this is about as fond as I get to home. Have you been, <laughs> have you been home since you came back? Uh, no. Wow, about, that's been a while. Yeah, about four years. Close to four years, three and a half. Wow. Unlike Paul, who's probably home all the time. In fact, oh, yeah. Paul is actually broadcasting from his childhood bedroom. I am. Can I we am. can we pan this room? Can we see this? No, room? I well, listen, we can't because now it's a storage room. Uh huh. So your parents took your no. bedroom and made it a storage room for themselves. For now, yeah, because they're getting ready to uh to sell the house, I believe. So we uh there's said, a lot of stuff everywhere. I can't. There's nothing that's mine that's in here, other than my my uh, my suitcase, my bag, and that's it. They got rid of all your Disney stuff. All my Disney stuff is either gone or packed away in boxes or uh, at my house in Florida. Which, listen, you'll be. I'm very excited because this morning I got really awesome news. Uh, One of my news, Paul. I'm sure it's my new. <laughs> my new brother-in-law, he uh, he was cleaning out his parents' house and he found original ticket books for the Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World, and a couple of them were like un uh, unpunched or unripped off. So he said, "That's uh, that's my gift. That's pretty cool. They're like the original when they used to do a ticket system." Are they worth anything? Uh, probably like 40, 50 bucks, but they're cool. Like I've never even seen one. They, they were gone way before I was even around, you know, in like 71 through maybe through the early eighties, they used them. You had to buy the ticket book with your admission so this and then you could only go on a certain amount of rides. So this is a culture that was instilled on you by your parents. <laughs> yeah, I guess they, well, my dad says, I actually, we were talking about it uh, yesterday when I brought the boys over here because Stephanie, not me, is at a baby shower and uh the boys Shocking. stayed here so that they're out of the way well, it's her sister's baby shower so she's oh, because she's throwing crazy. it <laughs> well anyway 
So we're it's at not, my parents' house, not at the baby shower. It's not so much she's throwing it. How did you get out of it? Right. No, I, I don't go to baby showers. I told you, I went to two baby showers. One was my own that I showed up for, and one was uh, one was like a, I don't, one of my mentors. His daughter had like a, a co-ed baby shower. It was the worst thing ever. I was there for 45 minutes, and then I left. I brought a gift and left. They wanted me to be there because I worked at Tiffany at the time, and they got silver spoons. And they were having twins, so I had to buy double the damn gift. You had to buy double the damn gift. I had to buy two silver spoons with monograms on them. Pissed me off. <laughs> I, I, when I worked, at, well, I actually, I'm probably still under an NDA, but when I worked there, it wasn't that expensive to buy the silver spoons and get the monogram. But still, it was just, you had to have two of them. And how long are you out of town for? I, listen, I'm here. I'm available. I'm around. You're going to make a comment. simple question. Why are you in Australia? It was just a question, Paul. Holy cow. I will be I will be back in Florida most likely August fifth. So a couple more weeks. Couple weeks, two three weeks. Yeah. Oh, it's we're having a good time, man. I took a couple of days off from work the other day, and we went to uh, Alex's uh, Alex's uh, home state, and we went to Amish country. We we're in Intercourse, Pennsylvania. Wait, I'm in Intercourse, Pennsylvania. Yeah, there's. I mean, that's a little bit of an oxymoron, right there. That's the whole. I think that's part of the the point now. Like, but Intercourse is like uh, a big spot in the heart of Amish country. <laughs> I never heard of Intercourse. No one else finds that ironic. Yeah, it's it's right in Lancaster County, and uh, it's like the heart of like the of like the tourism trap in Amish country. Oh. So we stayed there. We had a good time. We went to Dutch Wonderland. And Lancaster County is definitely Amish country for sure. Oh yeah. So uh, I'm sure there's people val uh, validating that there is an intercourse Pennsylvania. How, you're from there, Alex. It's not that far from Philly. What two hours? Paul, An hour? Paul. There's. Uh, I mean, to to just to maybe give an example. There's like South Florida, and then there's the rest of Florida, and there's like Philadelphia, and then there's the rest of Pennsylvania. <laughs> it's like its own entity within the state that doesn't you know everybody in tampa, just, everybody in tampa just got offended uh, hey i mean there's, <laughs> <laughs> sorry there's i'm not saying it's any better or worse but they're <laughs> clearly two different uh parts there we of, go there is an intercourse pa paul paul was desperately seeking someone to acknowledge it so he could put it up on the screen yeah and, i was waiting well i was waiting for a valid you know somebody that we trust and coop i'm sure begrudgingly validated him I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Coop's probably had some fast food in Intercourse, Pennsylvania. <laughs> probably not a lot of fast food in Intercourse, Pennsylvania. You know what? Probably it's a lot, of, lot of jam. It's probably a lot of jam. A lot of there uh, is, but there's there's a there's like corporate areas now too. Like just just outside of Intercourse, Pennsylvania, there's uh, there's like everything you can find. There's a Golden Corral and there's you know chain restaurants and stuff. It's very I, strange. I have never been to a Golden Corral. Uh, don't do yourself a favor unless you like diarrhea for 24 yeah, hours after you eat. You know what? It's funny. We should do a segment on the places that we've never been to. Like like fast food chains? Just yeah, chains in general. That would be, actually be a really good one. I'm thinking might, of one in particular I, I right might, now. I might lose a lot of fans on this one. I've never been to a White Castle. Oh, my God. Did they not have them in Chicago? Let me tell you a funny story. I'm trying to All think. right. True story. 
I've been to a million. White I was cars. I was one of the older kids in my class, so I was one of the first ones to get a driver's license. Okay. So, like, for a good three or four months, like, I was the guy driving every weekend, right, picking up all the guys. Yeah, so and in the middle of the night, you don't go to White Castle and get a, you get a couple telling, of stacks? I'm telling a story, Paul. All right. Let me get to the point. You'll find out. <laughs> so, um, I my first car was, it wasn't my first car, it was my mother's car, but that was the car I was able to use with a hatchback Chevy Citation. For all you youngins out there, you can Google it and see what it looked like. Not a cool car. So, um, you know, I, I went to a Catholic high school, so a lot of Irish kids, a lot of drinking going on on weekends, and um, no stereotype there. Uh, huh. <laughs> and um, we had this thing where, like, literally, like, at the end of the night, the guys would say, let's go to White Castle. Now... White Castle was literally on the same road I was I lived on, but probably a good twenty to thirty minute drive south. So, okay. Okay. Um, but not close. No, not close. But where my friends lived was kind of in between. You know, it was more toward the city of Chicago. So, the the first night we stopped, a couple of hot girls in the car next to us said something. They ended up going to I think a KFC. We followed them into there. We never made it to White Castle. The, the second weekend, literally same thing happens. We get sidetracked at the end of the night, and we never make it to White Castle. It now becomes a thing like we're like, we can't just make it to White Castle. You know, it's almost like that movie, you know, uh, Harold and Kumar. We're just trying to get to a White Castle. So this goes on literally three three weekends in a row. And the fourth weekend, we're determined this is, no, nobody's going to interfere. We're going to make it to White Castle. It's become like a stupid game with us. And this is literally within the first six months I've had my driver's license. And... Okay. We decide to do it, so I, I literally do a U-turn to get us to the White Castle. It's a two-lane road, not a, not a tiny road, but not a huge road. And just ignorance and experience. However, I didn't realize like there was really a car near behind me, so I kind of veered around to make the U-turn, and the car just smashes into me. First oh, car, no. Yeah, first car accident ever in my life trying to get to a White Castle. Never made it. And never went back. Never went back after that. Well, it ruined it for you. Didn't have a car for a while, and then we just we stopped even joking about it. We came like a jinx. So never made it to a White Castle. Though I did have seven, though I did have seven cousins get arrested in a White Castle. Oh, that's cool. oh oh yeah. It was. It, I thank God I wasn't with them that night. It, it was Were you really, supposed to be. <laughs> we all hung together. You know, I mean, something happened that night. I wasn't there. Whatever, and um, they ended up getting in a mass brawl with undercover police officers. And then, oh my uniform, god! Oh yeah, and then uniformed police officers. It was like a, a big, big, like ordeal. So well, good thing you weren't there. We may not good see you today. That would have been another uh, White Castle trauma in my life. But yes. yeah, never made it to White Castle. Wow. Never made it to In and Out Burger, though I've had two opportunities. I, mean, I was just in Vegas. I could have went, but yeah, yeah it's right there. Now. I'm trying to think of what I haven't had. I've never had Jack in the Box. I've never had Jack in the Box. I had Jack. And and there used to be one on, on Long Island that I used to pass almost daily, and I never went in there. What's was, that, I think it was the only one. What's that other burger joint that's really popular with a W? Whataburger. I've never had that either. Never had a Whataburger. Yeah, me too. Me that's Coop's, one of Coop's favorites, if not his favorite. I've never had it either. He says it's really good. And so, you know who else really likes Whataburger that posts about it all the time? Terrence Riley from Aganorsa always posts about Whataburger. Yeah. But yeah, when I tell people I I never been to White Castle, they're always shocked, like utterly shocked. Oh, they're so good! You get a crave case. I, I forget how many burgers. It's fifty burgers in there. You got two guys. You can easily finish that. 
you have to be shitting that out like 30 minutes later. You know, you want to hear something weird about White Castle? <laughs> it's the only food I've ever eaten in the world that smells exactly the same coming out as it did going in. It doesn't smell bad going in, but I'm telling you, you know that you could, you would know that you ate White Castle. Uh, it's weird. I, I just feel like it's probably that grease coating of everything going in. It's the same coating going out. So it's just yeah, I guess so. It does. You, you don't know, absorb it, greasy, right? Greasy, yeah, coating of whatever of White. I Castle. disagree with Coop. I mean, everything else at White Castle is horrific. The fries are not good. Those Churchill's chicken rings are awful. But the burgers are good. I like them. The steamed burgers with the onions on top. I think you'd like them, Abe. That's what we need to do. That that that's what we need to do on our next special you, edition. Tale of the tape you know, is fries. You know, when we go to Tampa, I think they did open a. Um, I think they opened a White Castle on the way. Just yeah, south I think or it's south like in Tampa Palpatine. or near Orlando or something. Right. I, our, it's on the. It's definitely on the way. I believe. I think it's like South Orlando, so we might be able to stop there. Or, you know what? The frozen ones are really not that bad because when you microwave them, they stay in the pouch and they steam. They, they taste very similar. Yeah, they not sell the them same. Walmart. Yeah, we could try those on the, on the air one day. As long as you have a day, Abe, because most people, like, after an hour, you're busy for the rest of the day in the bathroom. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> yeah, it's a great time. But they're, they're worth it. No joke. <laughs> Wow, how do we? Hey, wait. So you were just in Vegas. I don't. Th I've been to Vegas maybe four times, maybe five. But every time I get out of the airport, when I take a cab, I have them stop at the In and Out Burger right there before we get to the Strip. But how was Vegas? Hot. Yeah, 116 degrees. I saw one day. Oh, like, like ridiculously hot, brutally hot. You know, all, all these people who do the dry heat claim and all that kind of crap. Um, I don't care. Dry heat, whatever. When it's 115, 120, dude, it's just torture. I mean, I'll, I'll take humidity any day that we go over that. That's what really? I say. Yeah, listen, humidity is okay. It's hot. I'm sweaty. I'm, you know, it sucks. I'm hot. But that dry heat, especially like because of the way Vegas is set up. So I'm walking around and I'm in this nice, you know, cooled air conditioned casino. And then I walk outside and it's like literally just shoving yeah. the blow dryer in my face. Worse. I felt like I was like in a like, room full of hot coal. Yeah, like, it's like blast in my lungs. Punch in the face of, of heat. You, know? you like that? You go for a schwitz. Now you just have to walk outside. You don't have yeah, to do anything. Yeah, but I, for I, it. I, start in the, I start in the steam room, get a little. <laughs> oh, okay. Steam, you know. But yeah, no, that's what it's like. It's literally like walking into a sauna with the sun just torching you. I mean, do you want to do you want to plug Monday, Abe? You got a you got a big appearance coming on where you're going to do like a full recap, right? Yeah, but I want to I want an abridged version at least from Abe. Well, because it's his first one in three or four years, right, Abe? I really got to investigate to see how far back it's gone. Um, it was definitely my, longer for my wife, who had been going to trade shows since before we were married with me. So it was really nice for her to see a lot of people she hadn't seen in like a decade. Um, yeah, yeah. It was good to see friends. It was, you know, look, getting together like that in, as an industry, seeing other retailers, talking to other retailers, it's, it's always a good thing. Um, as far as the show itself, um, Aaron Aaron Loomis of Developing Palettes, and, and Coop's going to be on later. I think he's hosting that show with him. Um, they asked me, uh, it was really funny. They, 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 Aaron asked me to do a show about a recap, and I, I just kind of told him at first, I said, look, man, I, I, honestly, I, I had to work this show like I just got in the business 25 years ago. Really? Because, 
Well, because my operations guy was handling a lot of stuff for the, the stores, and I was personally handling all the stuff for the new warehouse. Okay, okay. So um, I was literally, like, literally running around for three days and, you know, didn't really have much you know time to be leisurely or pay attention. So I, when Aaron first asked me, I thought he wanted to recap a bunch of new products and cigars. And I said, I was, I was going to tell him, Aaron, I'm really not the guy for that, you know? And like, no, 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 we want you to discuss what you thought about the show. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll be happy to come on. <laughs> I can give you my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, the show has been plagued with issues regarding attendance and people wanting to be involved and participate. And while the show happened this year, um, I don't think any of those issues were re- resolved. I don't think any of those issues were addressed. Um, uh, a lot of people are, you know, posted a lot of very positive things about the trade show. And look, if, if you think that just the fact that the trade show happened is a positive thing. That's great. Um, You know, historically, the writing of orders has never been a problem. If if you talk to any manufacturer of a trade show, they will tell you, oh, we did more business than we did the year before, which kind of makes sense because the people that go will be probably more of the people who have growing businesses. Right. Afford to go there and they're going to spend more money because their business is growing. So the, the amount of orders written or dollars written has never been a complaint or a major complaint by most of the um, built and, and well, you know, companies that have been around for a while. It's never been a major problem. Um, so with a year and a half, you know, or two years to really think this through and, and try to make it. And I'm, I'm just going to tell you something. If, if I was handling the trade show and the, the four of the people who probably took up the majority of the floor space opted to be out. I would have done everything in my power to make it the most epic trade show ever. Yeah. yeah. Naked women swinging from the ceilings, fireworks at night. I mean, anything j- just to make a statement at the very least right. that this was an experience. Um, but I don't want to do a huge deep dive into it. You know, uh, I'll talk about it more on uh, Aaron's show with uh, Coop on Monday. I think it's Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And there'll be other great guys on there. Uh, Saka. Uh, Terrence Riley, I believe. Jay Davis, who's a newly elected member of the board. Um, Did you see Jay Davis's post yesterday? I thought it was hysterical. What about not getting bashed in? And he, he, well, he had a post of, I guess he received his uh, Dunbarton uh, TGS Saka second chance cigars, and basically said, "Let me smoke one of these now before I get all butt hurt with Honest David's Saka." Look, I, I remember, I remember that that first year I was on the board. So it, what I'm going to say, and I actually told Jay Davis at the trade show, you know, please don't take any offense, has nothing to do with a guy who just got elected on the board. This, these are issues that have been existing for right. almost a decade. You know, and in fact, a lot of people who I sat on the board with, I don't know how long ago it was, 10, 15 years ago, are still on the executive board, you know, on their way out. So, I mean, um, it's going to be interesting, um, but... It's something that has to be said because if you really want to to do justice and try to make this show thrive, it has to be said. People got to hear it to really acknowledge what it's going to take. Otherwise, you're just on a carousel going round and round in circles, which is kind of essentially what this show was. Huh. Okay. And the attendance was was lower? Listen, attendance lower, more, I, I never know. And there's always statistics and facts. 
the tendon, the show did look fuller because the floor, and, and I've said this for many, 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 many years, that the show was just getting too big. They right. should they should have limited booth space. They should have condensed the size because it just, no matter how many people you put on there, it was so massive. It just looked empty all the time. And, you know, part of experience is a psychological feeling, right? So when you're looking mm-hmm. and you're feeling this place is a ghost town, it's bad. You know, I, I've always said, and I told my employees, no one walks out of our shop saying, man, that was the best Viva La Vida cigar I ever had. No, because it's the same Viva La Vida cigar he had where he bought it in New York or bought it here or bought it wherever he was. No one, you know, the, 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 no one leaves a trade show saying, holy cow, I bought, a lot of, I bought a lot of great product or holy cow, I spent a lot of money. It's not, you go in there to do business. It's the experience is what everybody's going to talk about. Right. So basically what you're saying is, I mean, should have been forget about attendance this year. Who cares about attendance? But let's make it so epic this year that attendance is guaranteed to be up next year because people feel like they missed out on something. That, that's what's going to make the attendance. Right. Right. That's, yeah. what, you know, the first couple of years I did the great smoke. I didn't even worry about losing money. I had to be so over the top that I wanted everybody to go home and tell 10 of their friends. And yeah, that's you've said from 300 to 3,000 people, you know I mean? And that's the mentality that really should be taken with the show. You need everybody to leave there and say, wow, dude, I had a great time. Because the great time or the fun stuff, or the, that's what's going to make me want to come back next year. Not writing the orders. I could do all that sitting right here in this chair. Right. right. That's, that's the reality of it. I got a question, not, not to move on from PCA, but Vegas itself. Um, you were there in May. And you said it barely felt like Vegas. Any better in July? Yeah, big change. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, like, even little things, like, there was actually room service in a hotel. There was no room service back in there. A lot, oh, right. They had a lot of individual plastic guards. Um, what I saw was either no guards or guards just for the dealer, and everybody was kind of out in the open. A lot more places were open. Um, still hard to do a lot of things. I mean, we were trying to get dinner reservations some places and the restaurants were half full and they could not get you in because they have no people to work still. Right. So I've heard that. There's still some logistical issues, but a lot more open, a lot more live service was more on point. You know, we had a couple issues. We had to call down at the desk right away. Um, no issues. So yeah, it, it was a dramatic change just in a couple months, to be honest with you. Well, I heard that that Vegas is at, over a hundred percent capacity on the rooms now already. I don't know if it looked that way. If it looked like there were people, tons of people there, but there was a whole lot going on when I was in Vegas. I mean, there was the big fight kind of, yeah, the, right. there was uh, Garth Brooks who played his concert at the new Raiders Raiders Raider stadium. Um, Ray Romano was in town. Justin Bieber was in town. There was a whole lot going on in Vegas. Oh, did you go see the Biebs? <laughs> No. No. I, instead, I went and saw the Patels. <laughs> Rocky? Yeah. Mish? Yeah. Who, who, honestly, in my opinion, under if Rocky ran the trade show, it would be the most happening show on earth. Let me tell you something. That's Consider- a fact. Considering I, I heard Rocky's just his birthday party. Birthday that we got to attend, yeah, I totally can't Rocky agree. Had- sure it would be over the top and, you know, Rocky- mega event. Yeah, Rocky had all the elements of where you want it to be. That's where I kind of ended. I kind of would always stop by and see Saka, but then really close out the day over at Rocky's place. He had live music. It wasn't boisterous or obnoxious. It was one-man band, nice 
elegant music, had a beautiful bar, little setup, like you felt like you were in one of his bird lounges. He had comedians, he had actors coming through there. Not as a showpiece, they were just visiting his booth. It was like the wow. happening place to be, literally. Yeah, I can that, see that. I can see that. It was, it was the happening place to be. And, um, you know, if you just took his little elements and just somehow really incorporated that kind of vibe, I mean, there was nothing like even the TPE I thought was genius. You know, during the mask thing, they had the little girls walking around as the mask patrol, all yes. you know, scantily dressed, the, the, you know, mask police or whatever it was just silly little things that just would have made the experiences more fun day to day to do business. You know, it was very quiet. And there was many times throughout the show when I was talking about this, close your eyes, tell me what you hear. Nothing. Nothing. Wow. I mean, literally nothing. You hear subtle murmurs and whispers, you know, from the distance, but nothing. You know, I, I, I get aggravated because when I walk out of my office, sometimes they forget just a subtle thing like background music, yeah. right? Oh, you need it. And I you walk out. It. And I see. What do you hear? You hear anything? Because to me, I hear it immediately. It sounds like a graveyard. I feel like I walked into a graveyard. You know, play the background music. Subtle little That's, things. It's subtle uncomfortable. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. At least you got a free beer. Yeah, that, that, that was really funny. Terrence and I were having a debate. <laughs> Terrence and I were debating this because Terrence made a, this overwhelmingly, like, you know, congratulations to an awesome success post. And I kind of said, you know, it's that kind of mentality is why we're at where we're at today. And it's not going to help the situation. And so I went to this booth on the last day. We've kind of debating. And as we're debating it, these two people walk, walking around the trade show floor with a cart. They got a couple ice things and a couple cases of beer in there. They're like, hey, we're from the PCA. And we want to thank you all for coming back this year. And we're just going around on the last day with one hour left to go in the show when 80% of the people are gone. We're just giving out complimentary beer as a way to say thank you and whatever. So I took one and Terrence went, you're right, Terrence. I was wrong. What an epic change. Cheers. <laughs> it really couldn't have been timed any better. It was so ironically funny. So it couldn't have been timed any better. Well, we have a pretty packed show, so uh, we're going to start off the show with uh, one of our dear spot. friends. We got a feature spot, spotlight feature today. We don't have we? a feature. Yep, we have a spotlight feature over my shoulder. Let's get it. Let's get it going. So joining us once again, our dear friend, Mr. Rafael Nodal. How are you guys? Thank you for having me. Good morning. Hey, Paul, Alex. Thank you. Thank you very much. Here from beautiful South Florida today. What a beautiful day to be in South Florida. Fantastic. Or, or by the way, in the rest of Florida as well. So just want to <laughs> Let's not alienate the Tampa people. Absolutely. Or Orlando, for that matter. We love them. Well, I guess Orlando is Central Florida. Yeah, I guess that's Central yeah. Florida. Yeah. So, Raphael, um, we have a spotlight feature today on, on, on this newly released brand. Uh, brand. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. We Ray Carenas. Can Can you tell Can you tell us our fans a little bit about this? This is an old brand. St. Louis Ray is, was before I was even in this industry, and this is a very new spin on the brand. Can you tell our listeners about the brand? That's correct. Well, again, thank you very much for having me here. We are extremely excited about the San Luis Rey Carenas because it's going back to the DNA of the brand, right? This is an amazing brand uh, born in Cuba and with a lot of history. So we introduced the new San Luis Rey Carenas. Carena means 
uh, is the was the name given to um, use for the port of Havanas. And the port of Havanas in Cuba, before it became the port of Havana, was called Carenas. And because all the boats from Spain was going there, and Carenas is there where they clean and they fix the, the boats. And it's exciting because all these boats obviously went to Spain, to Seville, with the tobacco from Cuba and from the rest of uh, uh, Latin America. So it's an, it's an amazing product. We wanted to go back to the DNA, to the pay tribute to the history and the heritage of such a a fantastic brand. And for this uh, project, uh, Abe, we uh, we team up with a small producers of tobacco, a small growers in the area where we have the factory. It comes from La Flor de Copan. It's a factory in Honduras in uh, that is celebrating about, um, this is the 45th year of this factory. It's an amazing, beautiful factory um, in, in Santa Rosa de Copan. In this area, we team up with a small growers. And there's a history of tobacco here. Uh, they have been tobacco growing in this region for more than two or 300 years that we know of. Obviously, in the rest of Latin America, tobacco before the, the Spaniards came to America, tobacco was being growing. And so we team up with them. And then we use a wrapper from our good friends and the family of Placencia. Placencia has given us access to this amazing Claro Habano. This color, very, very uh, uh, like caramel, light caramel, uh, great burning, just got rated 93 by Cigar Aficionado 91, but our friends had a uh, half wheel. So we are very excited uh, about this new project. We're putting a lot of new projects, but this is very Cuban-esque. It has a little bit of the Cuban uh, flavor, in my opinion. Interesting. Yes, and, it is. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's, it is, and I say um, in this area, right? So it's, uh, it's surrounded by mountains and uh, it's very close to Guatemala and this area and the tobacco, like I said, the history and the soil. And we used to Criollo 98. So like I said, just like coffee has been doing, we have been uh, working with very small producer on the area. So we feel that we're helping uh, uh, the area, uh, the, our factory with over 950 employees is the largest employer in the area and now going to the farms. As you know, Latin America, they're going to difficult times and this is a way to, to really help them uh, in a very secure way. And we finance the operation, we teach them, we give them technical support to grow the tobacco. So not only is a great cigar, but you're really helping socially uh, a fantastic needed area. And the cigar comes in three vitolas? It comes in, it, it comes actually four vitolas. It comes four. in a Robusto, which is five by 50. It comes in a Bellicoso, which is six and a, uh, one eighth by 54. And the Toro, again, this is the one that was just rated uh, 93, is, is uh, six by 52. And the Magnum, which is I'm smoking. You know, I don't normally don't smoke Magnum sizes um, too much. But I, we, I, I love the, the idea and the flavors is six by 60. And one of the best things uh, um, uh, in this brand, not only is a great cigar, but the price points, right? So sometimes a cigar don't have to be tremendously expensive. And listen, tobacco is expensive, the, the labor is expensive. We're trying to help the community as well. But uh, the Robusto, the MSRP is 825. And the biggest one, the Magnus is 915. So fantastic price. Uh, and I think you have uh, even uh, uh, some some special going on today. So not only is a great cigar, a great price, and a great social program that we are we are doing as well. Awesome, awesome. So uh, just want to let all the listeners know it's part of our KMA Spotlight feature, 
if you want to try this magnificent cigar that Raphael's talking about. We have a code here. This weekend only, good for this weekend. You can save an additional 15% already off the discounted price at smokein.com using the code SLR15. Good through Sunday. So if you want 15%. to check it out. 15%, great price. In addition to the great price, this amazing saving. Thank you for bringing, the, always help to bring to your consumers new flavors and new aromas and um, and obviously doing something great socially for the people that need it in our communities. Thank you, Rafael. And uh, hopefully we'll see you soon, my friend. Thanks for joining us and letting our fans know about another great new release. Thank you all. Thank you all very much. Enjoy the Thank rest you, of the Thank you, Rafael. Take care. I, I love that guy. He's got the video going on in the background. He's Absolutely. got the video he's got outside. He's got good vibes just coming from him all over Dude. the place. He really does. He, he lives on the beach there. He, he showed me his view before. He's a happy man. He's got a nice sea breeze going. Absolutely. There, there's a man who's truly living his best life. He is. And he's just so, like, when you meet him, he's just such a, like, humble, real, like, gentleman. He's just a great guy. And, you know, he plays the piano, like, super well. Super well. He's, he was during COVID. He was doing performances. Yeah, he's classically trained. He, the guy's awesome. He's just a really cool guy. I love having him on. No, awesome stuff. Well, that being said, Paul, let's just crank it right into our Meet Your Maker segment. Yeah. All right. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't ready. I'm ready now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it. And stick your head out and yell. It's time to meet your maker. So this week we are excited to present uh, brothers, actually, in the industry. Two gentlemen who were in the retail business for a very long time, Abe, just like yourself, and now have uh, come out with their own cigar brand. Please, uh, everybody, welcome to the show, Billy and Gus Fakie of Artisano del Tobacco. Good morning, Welcome, guys, to KMA. Good, Good morning, morning, Abe, Alex, and Paul, and everybody from KMA uh, listeners. We are so happy and honored to be here with you, spending this morning and smoking some cigars with you guys. Exactly. Good morning, Abe, Paul, and Alex. It is an honor to have us with you. Good morning for everyone in this beautiful country from the headquarters of Artisano del Tobacco in New York. Welcome to this beautiful show. I'm having such a great time. It is the best thing to wake up Saturday yeah. and listen to this. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having us. Thank you, man. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. I hear a little accent there. Yes, Abe. From what I understand, you, you guys are uh, uh, brothers. Where are you yeah. guys from? <laughs> We're brothers. And we are originally from Lebanon. We are honest as well. We are the honest brothers. There you go. Wow. Um, we are Lebanese originally. From Lebanon. How long, how long have you, when did you come to the United States? Almost 35 years ago. You know, my father was an immigrant from Jordan, so I'm always fascinated with, with these stories. Because, you know, oh. typically they're great stories on what leads people to this country, and then especially people who actually find success here. Um, can you tell us your story and how you came to the States and what you, you know, your experience first getting here and what you guys did? Sure. Uh, definitely. You know, we came very little to, to this country. Uh, as as you, you know, Abe, in Lebanon, in that area, that region, there is always uncertainty. So our parents, my parents, they decided to come to, to America. And we came here, as I said, like 35 years ago. 
And uh, long story short, here we are, opportunities for education, opportunities for businesses, opportunities to become who you want. And thank God, and I also thank my parents for doing this journey for us. Definitely, definitely. And uh, it's, uh, let me tell you, man, everybody knows it's the best country in the world. Uh, my, my father, who, who visited Lebanon many, many times before the, the war broke out, literally yeah. said it was probably the jewel of the world, probably one of the most beautiful, best places to ever visit. Um, and and talk, that is right. talked, yeah. about, talked about it throughout my childhood because in my early childhood, when we used to go to Jordan, we couldn't go there. Obviously, you know, there was a lot of fighting and it wasn't yeah. safe and we, we couldn't go there. So um, it wasn't until much later on when I was older and didn't get to go with them to Jordan that um, he, my dad went back to visit. But he said it's not the same. Exactly. It's so, Ab, have you never Ab, have you never visited uh, Lebanon? You weren't able to get the chance to go there. In my in my last visits, um, no, I didn't because I, I didn't go for about fifteen years. And then right after I moved to Florida, I went for my brother's wedding, who got married over there. Um, I am planning a trip uh, for my kids. Um, my oldest daughter Petra. I want to take her to go see Petra. Mm -hmm. So we're planning on going next summer. So hopefully, my wife and I might be able to get away a little bit and take a, a, a trip there and. Check it out. I've never been there. So next summer, hopefully, it'll be my first time. Definitely, man. Enjoy it. Enjoy Safe it. trip. <laughs> so, so did you guys grow up? Did you go? Did your parents go right to New York? We came straight to New York, and uh, we went to schools here, and uh, all our business started here, too. And what did your parents do? My dad was an accountant. Certified accountant, yeah. Yeah, and oh, wow. my mom was uh, a house housewife. Yeah, mom, the best. And, uh, um, you know, my dad uh, showed us that no matter what you do in life, you need to be true to yourself and also uh, um, be loyal to what uh, you're trying to accomplish. 100%. And I see, Paul, you said you from New York yourself? Yeah, I'm from, I'm from, I'm actually here now for the summer. I'm from Long Island, but I worked in Manhattan for many, many years and, and you know, Spent a lot of time in Manhattan. I was just there the other day, actually. What are you in Long Island now? Yeah, I'm in. Lo I'm on Long Island for the summer. We bring. We have two boys, so we come Good up man. Uh, for the summer. It's so hot. It is. It's, it's so like hot today <laughs> in New York. Wait, yeah, it's been. To, it's been very wait, warm. Wait, wait, wait. Just to backtrack, another perfect example: New York, Long Island, its own total entity. Technically <laughs> part of New York, but Long Island is Long Island. Hey, yeah, well, I mean, I, I help you with that. <laughs> I'm sure. Each of the five boroughs is its own entity. True. Yeah, I was yeah, going to yeah. say each of the each of the the neighborhoods in Manhattan would would love to be their own. I'm sure the Upper East Side would like to say that they're they're not part of a lot of the island as well. Exactly. But yeah, you you say you're on Long Island, especially with guys like Billy and Gus that are from New York. I mean, I you, you say I'm from Long Island, like you, you know, I wouldn't say I'm from New York, wow. but I, I, um, I'm you on the Upper East Side. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget my first trip to New York because, you, know, you know, I'm thinking Chicago's a big city, you know, right. not really understanding what a big city really is, right? So I'm in New York and I get lost, you know, and I'm in one of the other boroughs. I'm trying, hey, how do I get to here? And like, I don't know, I got no clue. Like I'm asking, I said, this is New York City. How do you know? Where? I mean, you could go to anywhere in Chicago and ask somebody, hey, how do you get to this? Anybody will tell you it's this way, that way, this way. Yeah. Like literally like. People couldn't tell me within the city how to get to somewhere else in the city. They never even heard of it. Like, really? It took me a while. I just, Does it exist here? No, they know, but they want to tell you. You have to. Yeah, that. 
It costs you money. Well, listen, exactly. listen, I thought that at first. I thought they were just being dicks and rude. And then as I asked other people, like, oh, no, man, dude, they don't even go to that part of the city ever. They don't have a clue. And I just realized this, the city is so massive. It's yeah. like asking somebody, how do I get to another state? You know, where is this in another state? Yeah, if you if you ask somebody in Queens how to get to somewhere, you know, in the Bronx, they'd probably look at you cross eyed. That's what they know, honestly. Hey, yeah. you know, meanwhile, in my head, like this is New York, like it's one thing. <laughs> yeah. it's the same city. How do you not know? It's a massive city, and I. What's funny is I was talking to Billy and Gus earlier. I I was telling yesterday in our meeting, I was talking to Abe and Alex about your stores and how great they were, but not realizing. Later that evening, I got a text from a buddy of mine that lives on the Upper East Side, and I was like, you know what? Have you been? Have, have you been to their store? You know, they they had a store up on the Upper East Side there. How is it possible? He goes, you've been there like six or, or eight times. So I I now remember going in there, but I didn't know at the time that it was that it was your store. I didn't make the correlation, but they had a great shop up there, and you had one on the Lower East Side as well, or Midtown. We had Midtown. one on Fifty Four and Second, and one on Seventy Third and First. Right. Okay. So I've been to the 73rd and first uh, one before, and I guess the 54th and second it's possible as well. I mean, I, I worked at, at Tiffany and company on fifth Avenue. So I was, and all my friends lived on the East side. So I spent a lot of time over there. So that is a, a, a unique spot to have shops, right? I mean, right. not, not right. just, not just the astronomical rent being in, in both of those two areas, but the eclectic group of people, right? So, which one, which one was first, and how did you decide where to put that first store? Well, the first one was on the Upper East Side. Thank you okay. for talking about them. And I bet you we know your friend, if you say his name, because if he's been to those places, we bet Definitely. we know them. But uh, the first one was uh, on the Upper East Side, on 70th and 1st. And then from there, we moved it to 73rd, between 1st and 2nd. Uh, that was the first one. And then the second one uh, is uh, we built that one 2007, and then that thing happened 2008 when it opened uh, on 54th and 2nd Avenue. Yeah. So, so at the 50, the one on 54th, you probably got a lot more tourists than you would on the Upper East Side. Correct. I'm assuming. Correct. It was more Midtown. Uh, it was also Cigar Aficionado Lounge and Cigar Aficionado Humidor. And a lot of people used to come there uh, after the big smoke or any uh, uh, tobacco-related industry. Everybody used to come to that uh, store. The big events. The one on 73rd was more local, more for doctors, and uh, because there was a, there is a huge hospital next to us. And let me tell you, man, doctors love cigars. I mean, uh, they <laughs> smoke more than anybody, you know, and. Uh, First, when we opened the store on 70th and 1st, it was about 600 square feet, which is a small store with a smaller humidor. The humidor was no bigger than 200 square feet. And uh, uh, we started in, in uh, 1992. And, in, the uh, yeah. in the early 90s. In the early 90s, right? And it was a very small store. And um, it grew. We expanded it. And uh, we became friends with a lot of uh, people in the industry. And, uh, and then we opened the store on 54. 54, yes. And uh, the rest is history. Now, you know, to start with, you, we smoked cigars since we were, like, young. Like, I, was, uh, I smoked cigars since I was 16, uh, even younger. 
so we always fell in love with this. And before we did the, the, uh, the store on, on, first on the Upper East Side, we had businesses downtown in the village. And then the magazine came, then they start talking more about cigars and we start to realize, you know, this industry is huge, but you need someone, you need somebody to grab that thing and move it to the front side. And this is when we decide we sold the businesses downtown and we moved up all the way where we live. And then we opened the first place yeah. on, on 70th and 1st. And uh, it happened that uh, uh, Marvin Shankin lived in that area. And the first person to visit the place was him when we opened it. And we became close, uh, yeah, we, friends. We became close friends and friends. And then, long story short, from there, when we opened 2nd Avenue, this is the idea that came up with having the uh, Cigar Aficionado Lounge and also the Imidor. And the relationship grew bigger from there. Yeah. Wow. When, when you say you were smoking from an early age, did, did someone in your family smoke? My father Paul likes to go backwards. You see, I, ah, I, I like, just, I, I mean, I'm curious. This is why you're, yeah. I, I normally like to work a timeline. I, I got you guys immigrated <laughs> to the country, and I know your parents were accountants. I, I, was, I was then going to find out then what you studied and then what made you get into cigars and then get to the shops. Paul skips that whole segment. He goes straight to the shop. All right. We're not going to talk about their history. We are from New York. I'm going to let it go. Paul skipped it. But then, no, he goes back to it. <laughs> he just totally skips the timeline. Well, they brought up New York that I was in New York. Yeah, yeah that's way to go. I'm sorry. Hey, Alex. I said, once, they, once they started talking New York, Paul just took the show over. Yeah. Right? <laughs> he, got, he got excited. I'm, I'm, I'm working a chronological order from the moment they came to this country, and Paul just now is like jumping back and forth. Oh, oh, right, and then intercourse Pennsylvania will be shoved to the sidelines. Right. <laughs> so, so, gentlemen, your parents were accountants. Your dad, your father was an accountant. Your mother did a wonderful job of raising you guys. Thank okay. you. What did you study, and what did you think you were going to do when you know, growing up? I. Uh, that's a great question, Abe, and uh, it's amazing how things uh, influence you to go and and uh, to this beautiful business. I went and I studied uh, architecture. So I'm an architect by trade, and uh, uh, one of my mentors used to smoke cigars, and I used to smoke cigarettes at that time. You know, I was young, and and uh, he influenced me uh, to uh, try to quit cigarettes and uh, and smoke cigars. So my first cigar was uh, Punch uh, Punch Rothschild. Rothschilds, yeah. and uh, I loved it. It was from Honduras, and it was the one that I was able to afford at that time. And uh, uh, they used to come 50 in a box. I don't know if they still exist with no band, nothing on it. And I used to smoke them. They were delicious, man. Great flavor, smooth, creamy, you know, all these stuff. So that was my first uh, everyday cigar uh, was the Punch Punch uh, I made that guess because that was probably back in the day their number when Villazon had the number one selling SKU they had. Right. Bobby Bobby Orr was a customer of ours and he used to come in and buy a, a box every couple of weeks. Yes. Yeah. They, were, they were great. 
they, they used to do uh, punch uh, Rothschilds and also Hoy de Monterey, Monterey Rothschilds as well. They were very good on cellophane. You open the, the box oh, right there and you smell it. And the smell is unbelievable. It's like sweet uh, nectar. I, I mean, they were great. Yeah. They were very good. Very good. It was both out of the Villazan factory at the time. And, uh, you know, we used to always put them right next to each other. And uh, which was kind of tough because sometimes at the register before they had bands, you didn't know which scar was which. Yeah, you know, slight color variation. And then eventually they, they got banded and celloed, but probably one of the best selling SKUs ever that, out of that factory. That is true. And hey, what I did myself, I started when I was 13. The first cigar I stole from my father's humidor. Wow. Okay. And it was a Monte Cristo number two from Cuba. Wow. You know, there they, they allowed to smoke Cubans, but not. So I smoked that cigar and I start to inhale, thinking that <laughs> a cigarette. When you steal something, you want to do it so fast, right. so no one will catch you. I was smoking it and inhaling it. I turned blue in less than three minutes. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I start sweating. I start... <laughs> that was my first experience. And ever since, I fell in love with this trade. And today, here I am, guys. So when did you guys make the decision? Because look, you know, I got the similar story. My dad was an immigrant. My dad was a grocery store owner. I grew up working with him, but never thought I would end up being in it. I actually started my own graphics company. Um, after school, I was doing graphics and stuff and literally got thrown into the family business kind of unwarranted, you know, not by my own choice. It just kind of happened. Was there for a few years and then, and then, got into cigars heavily, was looking to do a cigar shop in Florida, in, in Chicago, actually, I mean, and um, came here on vacation and ended up staying here, long story short. That's how I got catapulted in the cigar business, just came here on a vacation, kind of never went back. What what At what point did you guys, you know, you doing architecture, at what point did you guys say that this is a business we're getting into, and how did that happen? You see, when we get into this country, like in the 80s, 82, 83, and like we still uh, under the age of 20, but then, you know, you go, you do what you have to do. You go to school, you go to college, and then all of a sudden, my father was retired anyway uh. So, uh, when we came here. So the first business, he was the one behind. I'm not going to say that we built it ourselves from nothing. You know, he was the help from the beginning, and he trusted us to do that. He smoked cigars. We were uh, smokers as well. And as I said, the first business we had downtown in the village, uh, it was like a variety of different things because the village is a tourist area. And you put anything- It was in, like a New York paraphernalia, basically. Yeah, like and then all, uh, we had an area where also we carried cigars in it, like a case, small case filled with cigars. And we smoked cigars from that time. And as I said earlier, this is when we decide to sell the business and go uh, uh, uptown when we, when we found out that this, is something that could go big. Actually, when one cigar aficionado came up with the, their first issue and, and we started reading more about it, uh, we realized that this is the time to go open a, a cigar store with a lounge. So the store that we opened was about 600 square feet, literally wow. three seats in it. And, 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 uh, uh, every night we used to have about 50 to 100 people inside that store and outside, outside. smoking it's cigars. Huge big place area. I mean, I don't remember uh, if you remember, Abe, if uh, it was so hard to get cigars at that time. Uh, 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 people like if they want humidor, 
they need to put their name on, on a waiting list to get a humidor. Uh, we used to get orders of humidors. By the time they came to the store, they were sold out. The Monica Lewinsky story came after as well, and this would explode the whole industry. And anything you put on the shelf, whether it's Phillies, White Out, if you know guys what out <laughs> those back then, it's for like, and you sell them crazy. Really? Nothing, yeah, nothing was. was yeah. Your timing was impeccable because many people will claim that Cigar Aficionado was the um, the spark that began the cigar boom. Um, and I was a consumer at that time mostly, and I just remember you couldn't find any normal brand on the shelves. Correct. There were Fuentes, there were no Macanudos, were, and, and, and that's when a lot of these brands that you don't really see anymore today came out of the woodworks. Havana Gold, Huracanos, Micubano, um, a slew of brands that it, it just... When when the shortages happened and all these legitimate brands disappeared, people optimized these smaller factories. People started little companies, and they got product quickly on store shelves. And it lasted a couple of years, but then as soon as the legitimate brands were able to catch up and whatever, most of those brands fell to the wayside. Very few made it after the boom. And then when I got in, it was kind of the end boom was kind of over, but the after effects were there. Like, you couldn't get opened up. An account. I mean, thank God my mentor, Sal Fontana, who had like 30 years in the industry, hand walked me to many manufacturers. But like, if you wanted to order Ashton cigars, like they literally told people on the showroom floor that, well, you have to start out by buying our accessories. So buy our, <laughs> no, truth, buy our leather cases, Sorry, yeah. or buy so and so, and eventually we will open you up to get cigars. Right. Now, now they'll sell their, now they'll sell a streetwalker down at the local corner grocery store and put their cigars in it these days. I mean, the whole times have changed, right? I mean, they'll sell anybody now. But, yeah, it, it, I, I opened up and I was kind of got in the business in the post-boom where it was, it was hard to get open unless you really knew somebody. That's true. It's exactly. We lived it, Abe. We knew exactly what you're talking about. It was so like so hard. Like We knew the whole brands and everything from Villazon to, uh, which is Altanis now, it's you can't get anything. You cannot get anything with accounts open or not uh, as well. I'll give you other other like uh, stories about how you would open an account with Fuentes or Patron. Open? Fuente didn't open an account for like a decade. They literally had signs on the trade show, we are not opening up new accounts. Yes. True. Yeah. They would go to the trade show with a big sign that says, we are currently not accepting, you know, opening any new accounts. Yeah. This was on the trade show floor. It was mind-boggling. Correct. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, even though like we had that counts with them, there is no cigars. Even yeah. uh, Fuente used to send like maybe five, six boxes, and those gone like in. Remember they, the Chateau, a box of Chateau, guys. We used to sell it for like nineteen dollars retail. A box. a box. Yes. Right. A box of punch. We used to sell it for like thirty dollars. It was under like uh, twenty-five cent a stick. Hemingway's were like three, four bucks. Yeah. 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 Bucks. yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That was good. Oh, that's great. When you smoke like seven, eight cigars a day, that's good. Sal, <laughs> my mentor, Sal Fontana, one of his one of his great quotes was um, he had like a lot of predictions in his career. And one of them was when the price of a cigar went over a dollar, it'd be the end of the industry. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the other, the other one was, I think he had like, there's a, there's a great video they did before he passed away. And he had like, I think three great predictions in his career. That was one of them. The other one said the Cuban embargo wouldn't last a year. 
<laughs> wow. And then there was another one. I, I got to look it up. It's so wrong. <laughs> it needs to change his so, – uh, yeah, go ahead. So you guys were having all these uh, issues just getting cigars, not to mention in the 80s in New York, was it was it difficult to have a cigar shop there or not as difficult as it is today? No. It was Very easy. it was easy. There were no taxes on it. It was only sales tax. And uh, then uh, when Giuliani came in, they implemented the 20% tax. This is how right. it started. But before, it was only sales tax. There mm -hmm. were no uh, taxes on it. It wasn't a big industry. It was not. You know, the only shop that was there is on 6th Avenue. Uh, what was the name of the place? Uh, De La Concha. De La Concha. There was... Uh, uh, Rex. Yeah, a few places only. And it wasn't that big. And then, as I said, when the whole uh, thing started to boom is when the, the magazine came up uh, to the surface. And then all of a sudden, they start changing the laws. They start to making it harder to smoke indoors. They start to make it harder with taxes and how to bring tobacco. You used to be able to bring tobacco with no taxes at all. And all of a sudden, they moved it from zero to 20%, then to 40%, to then to 75%. Like all the states now, they, they tax it, except, uh, I think, Florida and PA. Yeah, I think it's the only ones left. Yeah. I, that That's the upside and the downside of a boom, right? It, that is correct. The industry, but we weren't under the radar anymore. And now everybody's attention was on our industry. And everybody want, every section of the government wanted their piece of the pie and their little take. And you know, that, that's unfortunately the... The downside of it. So that being, that being said, we're going to take a short break, guys. Please yeah. don't go anywhere. We're going to, after the break, we're going to get back with the brothers and, and really talk about their brand and how they got into that, the Viva La Vida cigars. And uh, we have the Stoop with Coop up ahead. Um, we have a special edition of Tale of the Tape today. So I think, I know I'm going to send you my pick during the break. I got you. I got you. Oh, you have mine, right? And uh, Cigar and Asylum. So don't, don't go anywhere. It's going to be a fun hour, too. Stick around. Keep it lit. Surgeon General Warning. Cigar smoking can cause cancers of the mouth and throat, even if you do not inhale. With Altadis rich in profound history, it only makes sense to showcase one of their popular cigars after Mr. Henry Clay. Receiving a top 10 spot in Cigar Aficionado's Top 25 Cigars, the Henry Clay Warhawk has top-notch construction while boasting with complex flavors. Cloaked in an Ecuadorian Connecticut shade wrapper with a Connecticut broadleaf binder and a Nicaraguan Criollo fillers, this medium to full-body smoke has flavor notes of toasted almonds, earth, and a peppery finish that pairs nicely with a lemonade. It is available in three sizes, Corona, Robusto, and Toro. If you're looking for a cigar that has an abundance of flavor and history, then this 95-rated Henry Clay Warhawk is the cigar for you. Oh, hi. Staying at my brother-in-law's house. Me, the kids, and the dogs. But, um, you know... It doesn't really matter where you are or to each his own with whatever you're surrounded by because you can enjoy your favorite things wherever you go, like Bonner Private Wines. Now, this Malbec is an Argentinian Malbec that's almost as rare as this common eider right here. You see, it's, uh, it's grown in a uh, vineyard that is 8,950 feet in the air. It's part of a sampler pack that Bonner Private Wines offers KMA listeners. All you have to do is go to kmawines.com and you can get a three bottle sampler for a great price. We give you a discount from KMA and 
they'll also discount the shipping for you. So uh, check it out, kmawines.com. And uh, before the show starts up again, I'm going to talk to this very rare, beautiful specimen of a bird and finish up my Bonner Private Wines. Keep it lit. All right, everyone. <laughs> Good job, Paul. Is what? that your bedroom? That's a great commercial, man. That was the bedroom? The dog wanted to take that. Oh, you're muted. Hey, Alex, help us here. That's my brother-in-law's basement, actually. But, uh, I see, you liked it because you didn't see it last week. Abe, I'm sure, is ready to yell at me because I didn't make a new commercial this week. To yell at <laughs> To, to yell at you would mean that I expected you to make a new commercial. <laughs> I had true. Zero, I had zero expectations that you would have made a new commercial. For this uh, listen, I was gonna, I was gonna make one when I was in Lancaster, but it's a dry county. Listen, man, you can't all get I booze. know is if Paul keeps playing that commercial, eventually Peter's gonna come knocking at his door with a can of red, paint, <laughs> with a can of red paint to dump at him. So, uh, well, yeah, Ruben, it's, Ruben it's, is saying that. Your commercial is just disturbing. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. That's that's not the real Alan Rubin, though, I don't think. Or maybe yeah. it is. That's no, the, no, it's not the real Alan Rubin. No, that's the fake Alan Rubin. That's the other uh, one. It's real and fake, so we only talk to the okay. real Alan Rubin. Yes. Regards to Alan Rubin. They're all both gay. Great. <laughs> all right. If you're just joining us for hour two, uh, our fans out there, we have Billy and Gus Faki. Yes. Yes. Of uh, Artisano del Tobacco Cigars, makers of Viva La Vida. So, this the production of the cigar and the concept of the cigar came after you made the sale of your business, Cigar in at the time, correct? No. It's oh, so this started while you were still with Cigar in? Yes. All right. So, yes. tell us how this, this project started. Correct. So, um, uh, AJ came to our store uh, selling. Uh, San, San Lutano. So uh, AJ had a partner named Alex, and uh, he came to us with uh, samples of cigars. Yeah. So we tried them. We didn't know uh, about the about uh, the, brand. the brand or, or the story about AJ and all this stuff. And he introduced uh, the cigar for us. We tried it. We fell in love with that tobacco. It was brand new. It was. Uh, uh, flavor that we never had before and uh, we started doing business with them and uh, uh, then we launched uh, from our store uh, uh, the new world Connecticut uh, when they came out with it and uh, the idea of Viva La Vida started from 2012 exactly. we sent the concept uh, to AJ what we are looking for uh, the flavor, the taste, uh, and uh, the, the, the sizes and all this stuff. So uh, during that time, uh, AJ uh, came back to us and he said, what you guys are looking for, the tobacco I don't have right now. I'm aging it. It's going to take time. I said, okay, no problem. And then from 2012 to 2015, when we sold the stores, the cigars weren't ready yet. And by the time uh, it came out, uh, actually, 2018, AJ called us and he said, the cigars are ready. We could start the production. So we went, we sat down, we started blending and working on it. And, and uh, uh, for everybody to know, AJ works 
the opposite of a lot of different companies. He started with aging the different parts of the cigar individually. So the wrappers, he aged for years, the binders, the, the, the fillers, uh, and then once the tobacco is ready to be uh, rolled, he will roll it and it's ready right then and there to be sold. So uh, other companies, they do the opposite. They roll the cigar, they age it, and they, uh, their uh, concept behind it, they want the tobacco to be uh, more uh, infused together. So take a year, five years, whatever the case. But with AJ, he ages uh, the tobacco uh, beforehand. So in his mind, uh, he starts with a great ingredient uh, to make the cigar. And uh, so when he did the Viva La Vida, uh, it was 2018 when we started the- Blended the whole thing. You know, as well, let me add this thing. How did we come with this particular blend how did we come up with the idea well a you could actually relate to the fact that you own retail shops and you are on the floor with all your clients 24 7 almost they trust you because you tell them exactly this is the honest ape and you are honest you tell them the truth you don't have to spend a hundred dollars to get a good great smoke you could spend eight bucks and you will enjoy it and they they love that and they trust that so we learn a lot of things great deal of tobacco from our clients. We interacted with them on a daily basis, the palate, we did a lot of classes, we studied a lot of things about tobacco. Long story short, I don't want to go into real deep details. This is when we decide how we're going to have a blend that will be popular among the majority of the cigar smokers. So we start doing the studies with palates and the, the portion of the population who smokes strong versus medium versus light versus uh, sweet, all that kind of stuff, Connecticut, uh, uh, Maduro, uh, natural. So we learned a lot and we used it with creating this blend, creating Viva the Viva La Vida. Yep. And of course, we went with AJ, who's a master. AJ is one of the best AJ, out there. AJ is a master of manipulating the tobacco from the same leaves he could create five to ten different flavors and it's the same filler binder wrapper it's the same and yet he has the technique by uh, uh, fermenting the tobacco he tweak it a little bit the cigar will taste maybe 70 percent different than than the original one and uh and i could invite everyone to try it yeah like the the, the five six blends that we uh, five six sizes that we have with viva la vida you will smoke the torpedo and then you smoke the jester and you will see it's the same tobacco, but it's aged differently and you will see the Fermented difference. Different. The fermentation process is different, longer, shorter. And it is amazing how someone could do this from the same, same tobacco. tobacco. Yeah. It's amazing, guys. And that's, that's the beauty of working with AJ. Uh, he is also uh, uh, great of giving you the best tobacco he has if he uh, uh, planned to work with you. And uh, he's honest, he's humble, he's uh, passionate about his work. And he feel that uh, uh, his name, um, you know, if he made the cigar for his company or for Altadis or for Artisano del Tobacco or for any company, uh, 
stands behind it. It's just hundred percent. Give him. the best tobacco either to anybody that comes and work with him. And no doubt, like there's there's a lot of guys in the industry. They are the same. And as I said, we went with AJ. We love doing things with AJ. Uh, they trust us. We trust them. And here we have it, guys. This is the proof. The proof in the pudding it, it is. Took, it took from 2012. Yeah, and by 2019, when we released it, and I could States. smoke it five in the morning or five in the afternoon, and I'm so happy. And this is Viva La Vida. I'm not doing here an advertisement. It's a great cigar. You, you agree with me, guys? There's a lot of people saying it's a great cigar. It's it's, it's in our comments. How, who who is the brainchild? Who came up with the name? Uh, we started with uh, the Viva La Vida. Like every time. We smoke cigars, right? Uh, when we have birthdays or somebody graduation celebrating. or celebrating any kind of uh, successful thing in our life, right? So we are telling people like, enjoy your life every day that you went to work or you did what you have to do. Achieve. And you achieve, just take a cigar and smoke it. It doesn't have to be Viva La Vida. So the name came from there, to enjoy life, enjoy what you did, Today, not yesterday, not tomorrow. It's today. Just enjoy it. You did what you can. Uh, don't worry about stuff that you cannot change in your life because things happen for a reason. And it's the best way to enjoy it is just to smoke a cigar and chill and relax. And that's the beauty about it. It's, it's a piece of art. Cigars are art that we and a lot of people could still afford to own. And uh, you know it's 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 made by hand. It's uh, it, and uh, it, it's it's tremendous. You know, let me let me say this one as well, guys. Like, if you look at uh, our friend uh, Rafael Nadal, right, and look at the name, the Aging Room. Just go deep into the Aging Room, and if you smoke in cigars, what do you think? I mean, this is also a genius. The Aging Room. That cigar is so so unbelievable, and also the name. You know, you could take it and yeah. look into um, aging wine, aging tobacco. So that's also the, the idea is to come with a brand, to come with, 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 with something that will catch your eye as a consumer, catch your brain. And then you look and you say, you know what, Viva La Vida, what's that all about? So as, as my brother was saying, it's something to celebrate anything you did during that day or during that year. Celebrate it with fun. And who will make you happy and make you laugh like a clown in a good way, in a good way, right? So that's exactly the whole simple idea behind it. We, we, I mean, we love art. We always try to support artists, young artists. And a um, few of the ladies that used to work uh, in our shops, they were uh, just graduated from college and they were artists. And uh, one of them was the lady that she designed and she drew the, uh, the, the jester. jester on the band. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, you guys really did a great job on the band as well. It really, it really stands out. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, very. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. She was just graduated from college. She was 18, 19 years old. 20. No, 22. 22. 22. And uh, she came and uh, we believed in her and just to support her uh, we came and we told her listen in our store we have about 400 square feet 
of uh, empty space in the, in the in the walls to come and and do a mural if she knows and she did and it took her six months uh, she went and she took pictures of the customers and uh, she used to go home sit and draw them and if you look at the cigar in mural on online you could see all these uh, uh, figures of, of uh, people used to come and smoke Clients, the, yeah. at the cigar store so what we did we invited the mayor of new york which was Woody Giuliani, to come and unveil it unveil the, uh, uh, the, art. the art and we brought her in and uh, to her it's like oh my god i'm meeting not only I did this right. to all these clients, I am uh, the mayor of New York is going to come and shake my hand. She, she was so excited and the uh, mayor came and he unveiled it and the look on, on the clients' faces, uh, they were like, oh my God, that's me. Wow. I mean, they were in heaven. And did to you, us, oh, that is cool. Oh, great. Did you invite Giuliani before or after he imposed the 20% tax? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you funny, man. I'm just curious. Was it before? Yeah, I know. Before. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Alex will tell you, I, I've known this for years. I, I, I've employed multiple graphic designers and artists in our company over, over the years. Um, you could be a good artist. You could be a great artist. Designing a cigar band is a different Correct. form of art, man. There are guys who are great artists and they can't make a cigar band for the life of them. It's just there's components and facets of it that just doesn't translate always to every artist to understand it, you know. So um, really, I mean, kudos to her. She did a, a really a phenomenal job on the band. Thank you. Because it's not just being a good artist to make a cigar band. I mean, that's a fact. It, it, it's Correct. kind of a Absolutely. Yeah, you're working with a limited canvas you got to take into account the way it's going to fold over you know it's not just like right. a big you know rectangle you have to do whatever you want on you really, and, and, i mean it's an art things too too detailed otherwise they won't show i mean it's, it's, there's a lot to it and um it, it, it takes a really uh, special kind of person to make a cigar band so your cigars were ready in 2018 at this point you were out of the business correct correct now yeah. I, i'm just yeah. gonna ask you because you know i i had an opportunity five years ago and i, I you know you all think about it and you know, I didn't sell my company. I'm glad I didn't today. You know, what was that process like? Were you guys looking to sell? Was it a planned exit? Was it unexpected? Did you struggle with the idea? No, no, I, that's not, that was not the case. The place is not up for sale. Uh, we were approached and this is exactly what happened. And then uh, it's, it's, it's behind now and uh, everyone knows uh, uh, but we did not put the places for sale. Yeah, it wasn't for sale. Uh, was, it, was it a hard decision for you to make? Did you guys struggle, or were you guys ready to get out at the time? Uh, you know, the idea was not like there was no struggling. There was no like idea to get out. There was none of that stuff. We were enjoying life, and as you see, this is one of the business that I love the most. Like we, we sold, love retail. And we then, love retail. Exactly, yeah. So the opportunity came. We've been asked, and they, we have been approached. And then uh, the, th the right thing happened. And he said, you know what? Everything and anything is for sale if the price is yeah. right. And oh, here yeah. we go. So I would imagine that w since you had started this when you owned the stores, it, it's, it would be a lot easier to bring on a brand where when you already had at least your own vehicle to sell it. 
So when this happened in 2018, um, what were your process? Did you guys go with independent brokers? How, how are you going to get this brand from a couple brothers who had a cigar shop? How, how are you going to get it out there? Because it seems to have gotten out there very well. Yes. So uh, this is an amazing question, Abe. Uh, thank you uh, for bringing it up. Yes, it is much easier if you have a store and you bring a brand, try to sell it at the store. But what we did is we didn't have the store. So we were going from store to store telling them that we are starting a new business. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, Viva La Vida and they smoke it. They enjoy it. Some stores take it. Some store, they say, it's not for me. You know, uh, I have uh, uh, no space for it. Or they love it. We want to do an event and stuff like that. And we started uh, uh, talking more about it on social media, on, uh, on, on cigar lounges. And uh, to tell you the truth, man, uh, because uh, our attention and AJ attention was to bring the best signal we can. It translated to the clients and they saw it when they smoked it, they appreciated the hard work that AJ and his team did to it. That's and, true. And, uh, and that's why you see a lot of people were talking about it. But also what Abe said, the tools, when you have the place and the spot, yep. it will make it easier. That is correct. Abe, and just to add this as well, when you in the industry for close to 28 years, day in, day out, in that industry, in that shop, in that business, people knows about you already. The name is out there. So it was easier for us to talk about it and present it to other shops who did business with us, to other industry who did business with us. So that was also, uh, uh, Abe, that was also a push for the brand to go out there and, and people to realize where it came from. So that was also another thing that helped. It is very hard to start a brand if you're not known in the industry. Exactly. So we're well, for, for a small company too, you guys also received a 94 rating from, from Cigar Aficionado, which is no small task and was in the top 25. Yeah, in 20, which... You know, really, th that has to help immensely. Hundred percent. It it it, uh, it changed things um, between cigar aficionado, cigar snob, uh, cigar journal. Uh, all of them last year they had uh, some kind of Viva La Vida in their top twenty, and uh, we are grateful for that because uh, to tell you and let everybody know, we do not have the capital to uh, invest in, in advertisement with them and yet they they recognize, they recognize it. it they review it they uh, show it to everybody even though we do not advertise uh with any yeah, of the magazine right? that's right yeah and uh, hopefully we will you know hopefully we will but uh, it comes to show that it's not only about money uh, that those magazines they, they do their, their uh, work they believe uh, in you and uh, another thing, when we did with AJ, we, again, we go back to what my dad taught us, that no matter what you do, you need to be loyal uh, all the time. And uh, we, from day one, uh, we celebrated the maker of this cigar, which is AJ. And we tell everybody that 
he's the one who blended he's the one who created it Definitely. and uh because we are proud of this Relationship. Uh, relationship with with uh, okay. AJ Fernandez uh, company. Wow. So you have as a retailer, you have an interesting rule, which as a fellow, uh, you know, as as a fellow previous retailer, I, I don't agree with. So I'm curious about it. You have a rule that your cigar cannot be sold online. That is correct. Now, yeah. I just want to explain, just interesting, the curious, the, the, because I'm going to tell you, historically, I've never seen that work toward a cigar's advantage. If you look at most of the cigars that are launched that day, that way, um, and I could just tell you two off the top of my head, uh, Fuente Magnum Rosado, can't buy online, and um, I believe it affects its ability to get out there. I, I think it's not the most sought-after line, and I, literally, the Magnum Rosado line is one of my favorite. Um, JFR from Aganorso was that way. The JFR stands for just for retailers. And now you could sell it online because as a retailer, I believe limiting how, how to sell a product always hurts the brand and the retailer's ability to sell the brand. Um, there's a lot of people that are nowhere near. Look, people forget when you talk about quality retailers, there's probably 1,500, 2,000, in the whole country. Yeah. Okay. There, there's more convenience stores on Manhattan than that. So, you know, there's not access accessibility for many, many aficionados to go to a, a retail store. Um, and then the other side of it is that um, when they can't find it, what they're doing then is just calling the store that carries it and they're still shipping it out. So it doesn't really stop the process uh, more, make it more inconvenient for both the retailer and the consumer. So as fellow previous retailers, I'm just curious about that thought process and how you feel that's done for the brand because you seem to be experiencing success regardless, and it seems to be working for your world, while historically I've seen that not work well for many brands. You see, Abe, uh, first to start with thanking everyone who support Viva La Vida and supporting us and believing in us and in the brand and they buy it and they enjoy it and they smoke it. We do thank them from the bottom of the heart. To answer that question is we came from retail, retail business. We were retailers. So we know the exact hard time for every retailer who's out there who opened the shop 24 seven, taxes, laws, regulations, losses, gains, everything that you could imagine. And we said, you know what? Since we come, we came from this industry, we know how hard it is. It is our gratitude, it's our like thank you for those retailers for carrying the line. So to help them further, we said, look, this brand is only gonna be brick and mortar. It is hard. People tell you, are you nuts? Are you crazy? Why? You could sell loads and trucks loads of, of, of cigars if you go online. And we said, look, we know that, we know the whole uh, program, but unfortunately it is not good for the people who support me now. And that's how we decided to do this. It's, it's all exactly again back to loyalty. We always emphasize on that. It's uh, the cigar store that trusted us, uh, gave us a space in their humidor uh, and showcased the brand and uh, we believe no matter how good the cigar is, no matter it's the best cigar, 
if the cigar store owner or the managers or those people who work at those stores, they do not tell their clients about it, it's going to sit, collect dust. So they're doing their job of telling about uh, Riva or AJ or any other cigar store, uh, cigar uh, brand. The least we could do is to come and support them by making it hard to sell it online. And uh, yes, you are 100% correct. It hurt financially us, but satisfying it is. It is really satisfying that we go to cigar store and and uh, we don't hear. Uh, I could buy this Viva La Vida online for like uh, six bucks. Why are you selling it for twelve, for example? Or or uh, you know, I could buy more from you, but you know, X, Y, and Z online they are selling it. 15, 20% less. Well, I, listen, I agree with that argument. Yeah. I, I, I don't have a problem. I mean, look, a, a pre, it's pretty much come standard uh, industry practice for a lot of successful brands. You yeah. have map pricing, minimum advertised price, which for the most part is adhered to most of the time. So, you know, I agree with that. You know, I don't believe it's good for a brand when some guy buys your brand, devalues it, sells it out cheap. But if the price is controlled, uh, I, I, I believe that you know, the, the, well, look, I just believe that the free market's better for not just the consumers, but for the, 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 you as a manufacturer. I mean, the fact that you acknowledge that this decision probably makes you sell less cigars a year, that's a testament to you guys. I mean, I, 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 I commend it because, you know, I believe, and it seems like you're agreeing with me, that if you made it more readily available, because it's about availability, it makes, right. it makes the brand harder to obtain. And... Yeah. It, that that has to affect you guys, and you guys still uh, live with this philosophy. So, uh, kudos to you. I just want to say hi to Rick Long. Rick, hello from uh, Buffalo, from Rainy Buffalo, and Mark. The Magnum R is not available online. That's why I mentioned earlier. Yes. It's one of those brands that's not available online, and, and I believe it hurts that line. A lot of people are not exposed to it; they don't get a chance to see it unless you happen to walk in a brick and mortar store and try it. And it's it's one of my favorite lines from 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 um, Fuente. So Fuente. yeah, I, I don't I, I haven't seen this formula work well. It seems to be working phenomenal for you guys. So kudos to you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks. I, I mean, I can respect the decision for sure. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, guys. Uh, it is a, a decision that we made, and we are standing behind it because we see the love and the support from the other side, which is all the retailers, and they appreciate that. They don't have to worry about someone walking in and buying a Viva La Vida from their like shelves on the humidor and saying, wow, guys, this is 1095 or like this is 1150 but I could buy it online for this. So, you know, you go tell them, okay, buy it online and smoke it online. <laughs> this is how we used to tell people. You know, like you carry all kinds of cigars and then they start like when we were when we were in, in retail in the business, they used to come and say the same thing. And that idea stuck. That noise stuck in our brain and we said when we sat and we decided what to do with the brand, when we were like doing the plans for launching the thing. That was one of the major, major things, major idea in our head. It has to be brick and mortar. And people another, appreciate that. Another thing also, um, you know, we are not stopping on Viva La Vida. Viva La Vida is, is the door to new brands that we are working on. And uh, uh, Viva La Vida will stay a brick and mortar. And the other brands that it's going to be 
open to, you know, yeah, it's going to be everywhere. Yeah, it's going to be open all over the place and uh, online, online, and and, uh, and brick and mortar stores. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Abe, you muted yourself. You hit the button. The button. The button. Uh, in the middle of uh, replying to Mark Vanderslate about the uh, cigar page. Yeah, I didn't want to get into online, so I just applied there. So, do we have um, <laughs> yeah, in the wings? We uh, Coop is in the wings, but we also have the Avo question. Oh God, yeah, I, I got a little sidetracked with Mark there on a tangent. So, <laughs> uh, gentlemen, we have a question every week. It's uh, our uh, as the record spin segment, sponsored by Avo Cigars. Our good friend over there, Eddie Guerra, has a special question just for you. Excellent. gentlemen here's a question posed specifically for you guys what do you believe has been your greatest strength now the question says in the cigar business but i don't know if it'll be the same one as a retailer or as a manufacturer that'll be interesting to hear you know let me start uh Abe. as i said i always use the knowledge that we gained we we we, we picked from being retailers for all those years that helped us, molded us, made us much better uh, uh, business owners that we were able to interact with our clients and we looked at each and every one the same across the board. So that taught me and of course taught my brother how to respect and accept everyone, everyone and everybody in our places, in our hearts. We never looked uh, uh, differently on, on a, a different pa person, different color, whatnot. They all, for us, were family, family, then friends. That's why people came to us from all over the place, from every state, and we respected that, and we, we thanked them for that. We used this also in being re uh, uh, wholesalers now and manufacturing the cigars. We deal with all those clients who carry the cigar in the same way. Exactly, exactly. And it showed us also that um, uh, service, uh, the strength in service and in honesty and integrity and in your job uh, goes above and beyond what you are trying to accomplish. And um, from day one, we felt uh, <laughs> that making a cigar, uh, it wasn't based on our taste. It was based on a lot of people taste. So Viva La Vida is not based on what I might look for or Gus is might look for. It is made for everybody. <coughs> and um, uh, we don't come, uh, we give it its own time. So uh, as you know, from Viva La Vida has been in the market from 2019. We are in 2021. We did not bring any brand new brand yet because we feel that uh, Viva La Vida need this time so everybody uh, enjoy it and, and uh, uh, respect it. 
and appreciate it more and more. And soon, soon we're gonna come up with a new brand. Nice. Yeah. Ah, you did it again, Abe. You. Things hitting it. Uh, you know, looking forward to it. Hopefully, we'll have you guys on again when that brand is released. I mean, it seems like we both have a lot of very similar business philosophies. And um, we got a question from none other than Casey Aldumani. Uh, Casey. What do you guys do for fun outside of cigars? You know, I love to travel. Thank you for the question as well, Casey. I love to travel. Uh, uh, I like the family uh, kind of thing. I travel with my family, go different places. Uh, that's my uh, enjoyment. Uh, I love my kids. Uh, that's the kind of, uh, uh, there's no craziness. I was crazy when I was much younger. <laughs> I look back on my own and I am so happy with what I did. <laughs> and I enjoy every minute. But yes, a normal, happy life. This is me, simple. Yes, same thing here with the family. I love to play uh, football, me and my son and my Football, I'm sure you're speaking about soccer. Yes. Okay, I just want to clarify for a lot of our listeners. <laughs> yeah. understands it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I knew right away what you were talking about. I just needed to clarify that. Thank you, Jill. Thank you. Uh, we love, I love playing soccer. So any any moment, I'm back in uh, with my family. Uh, the next day, we plan, me and my kids, to go and uh, go to the park and play some. Well, here, Paul, Italy won. They kicked England. You know, you <laughs> see that, right? <laughs> Oh, don't get Alex started. Don't get Alex started. But I watched, I watched the match. I was very pleased with the outcome. Sorry, Alex. Uh, Paul's about as Italian as apple pie. Yeah. <laughs> I concur. I concur with that comment. That was a good game. Um, it was a good. It was a good game. One, one of the one of the highlights, in my opinion, of the show was. One of the newer companies had a big screen TV and they played the game. The game, right? So everybody around that booth was, you could hear them cheering and yelling. And that, that was kind of like one of the floor highlights as far as I was concerned. It was an exciting part of the trade show. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty cool. I, I, I saw that. that. I saw that. Yeah, that I want to tell you something. Uh, uh, I want first to congratulate you guys for the great smoke that you did last year. Thank you. Uh, it was unique. It was refreshing. Yeah, beautiful. Let me tell you, man, 2020 was a tough year on everybody. everybody. People were looking for uh, a tool or something to, uh, to, to bring them back. Them happy. You guys and did you guys did a great, phenomenal job with the great smoke. Uh, I could see it on uh, people's uh, lounges. They used to uh, put it on big screen, watching you guys, uh, you, uh, Michael Herklotz, Kim Schmokini. You guys did phenomenal yeah, job. I was amazed. I was so mesmerized with it as well. It I was, was so happy. It was like the Oscars. They were, I'm telling you, you hit it out of, of the park, man. And I think you should keep doing it. Uh, hopefully, this is your plan. Well. First off, let me say thank you very much. That was a, a big brainchild that actually happened right here in this room with Alex and a, a lot of my team to figure out how we could, after 15 years, not not do the event, but do it in a way that would still be exciting 
and translate to people at home and not just be a boring presentation. And um, everybody put a lot of hard work and um, it paid off. Uh, it, 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 we're, we're still touched by what we pulled off and how many people we reached. And because of that and uh, the, the multitude of emails we got, because we had a lot of people who emailed us who reached out to us and said, you know, we always hear about these types of events, but we can't afford to take time off of work. We can't afford to fly out of town. And they, they were, they've never been able to participate in something like this. So going into 2022, which we'll start, you know, we've really kind of already started working on and it'll start hitting the ground hard in the next uh, 30 or 40 days. Um, we're going to do it both. We're going to go back to the, to the in-person event, but incorporate a virtual segment so people from all over the country could still participate if they want to. Uh, Michael Herklotz will be coming back to host the virtual side of it, and Kim will be there, and um, we're going to have some other surprise things going on. But, uh, you know, we don't like to rest on our laurels. We just keep the foot on the accelerator and keep finding ways to innovate and move forward. And we think uh, this will be another, another innovative year for us with the great smoke. So uh, we're excited about it. So um, yeah, can't wait. Hopefully, we'll get you guys maybe involved. We'll, you know, we'll reach out to you guys. Definitely, definitely, definitely. We Great. are more than interested. It will be our honor. Great. Awesome stuff. So, that being said, now, is Coop ready in the wings? Let's bring our man on. Hey, yo, what's my theme music? The Scoop with Coop. Breaking industry news. Hear it first on KMA Talk Radio and cigar-coop.com. Coop. Got drapes behind him. That's a new backdrop. Good morning. Good morning. This is the same one I've used for the past few weeks. Is it? All right. I think yeah. he's just got the drapes. It's just called. a different Probably. angle. Different yeah. angle. Will... That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. That's all it is. A different angle. So try not to get too much of the sun there. So, Coop, what's up? Back from Vegas. Back from Vegas. Um, I got back Thursday. Coop was uh, busting hard. I barely saw Coop. I mean, literally, I saw him moving a lot quickly at the show you seem to be very very busy this year we this is we're normally always busy uh the difference i had this year was a four-man team which is the largest team i brought and getting a dynamic with a four-man team is a lot of work too so does we had more moving parts even though we had more resources on the ground if that makes sense usually Coop of, and i will have a moment to digress or chat or yeah whatever i saw him at one point, I can't remember where it was. I saw him. I, I, I you were with somebody, and we're like, "Hey, hey, blah, blah, blah." And as I turned around, look, the man was gone, like literally gone. It was that bad. That's it, funny. It, I heard you avoided him like the plague. Never. Well, he avoided the media house. That was the one thing. You know, we missed we him at the media. I'm going to tell you something. We didn't make it because I'm just going to be straight up honest, man. My body at this age is not equipped to handle it. But you know, when I when I have my buyer there and I get to lounge around and stroll around and but running around. You know, I, I had a manufacturer's bag, so I was cheating because I was pressed on time. So I was literally on the show floor at 8 o'clock those first three days trying to see who would be in their booth so I could do some work before all the retailers started flooding in. So me running around from booth to booth to booth to booth for the new warehouse uh, at fifty years, at almost 50 years old, my body wasn't equipped, man. We were just beat up. Oh, well, Abe, look, I'm in, I'm in that age range as well, and I could tell you to be me away two years. 
I was physically more exhausted than I ever was. Yeah, uh, me too. Yeah, it really was. And a hundred and like hundred and seventeen degree heat. This these were the hottest temperatures recorded in Las Vegas. Period. This is like this was oppressive beyond belief that we we had there. Yeah, it was brutal. You and your team, man, you did a great job. Uh, we were watching it uh, on on Facebook. Um, you did a great, phenomenal uh, coverage for the whole PCA. Thank, Thank you. you guys. Really appreciate it. Good, good to see you guys again. Um, thank you. I mean, you guys are awesome. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, thank you very much. We do appreciate it. We still have a lot of work we're doing on the back end right now this weekend. So there's a lot more to come, which is good. Yeah. When we get back, the work's not over. That's when the work starts, right? That's when the work starts. Yeah. So um, we have a lot of like, we're doing a whole written piece too, which is kind of the written piece kind of gets lost in what everyone wants to do video and video is important. Don't get me wrong. We expanded the video, but the written piece still is our bread and butter where we get the most traffic. So there's a lot I've been working on uh, this particular weekend on this. Awesome. So what news do you have for us this week? Well, you know, this was, it was the trade show. Um, That was really the story that happened this week. So, you know, there, I have. So I know we're going to be doing a recap show, but there are a few observations I, I, I'm going to make with this right now. Abe, let me ask you a question. What would you I mean? What would you have given a grade to this trade show if you A to F? What would you have given it? C. I gave it C minus. Okay, so I think it was average. It was average. That's all yeah. I can say. It wasn't yeah. bad. It wasn't poorly executed. You know, there wasn't really nothing to complain about, but it was about as bland as. Anything could be, there nothing to, to rave about. Talk about. I agree with you guys. Yeah, I was on with Dojo last night, and I took a lot of crap on this when I said, basically, I didn't think the trade show had a good look to it, okay? It looked cheap. And what I mean by that is we have positioned cigars for many years as a luxury product. And a lot of the booze just didn't back that up. And it had a very cheap feel to it. That was disappointing. And I, and, that's, and I hear people trying to put a spin on it, and I understand we may have gone too extravagant with some of the booze. I totally get that. But there has to be a happy medium. That was not a good look we had at that trade show. It wasn't a good look. It was a poor representation by many companies. I mean, the Ashton booth looked like a cafeteria. Right. That's where I'm going with some of these. And listen, if you're going to be Ashton, you know, and you're not going to send any of your principals, uh, you know, of the companies deciding not to show up, so and and you don't do nothing but basically put eight foot tables out like picnic and, and and sheets. Why go to the show? It's just saying let us send the minimal amount of people to write as much orders as we can, and still benefit something from the show without even caring anything about it. I was really really disappointed um, in that kind of mentality. I, I called it the minimalist show. I think it, it was, was the just, minimalist show. That was exactly but not, had, for everybody. Yeah. Not, not for everybody, everybody. but no, it was I, more apparent than I've ever seen before. Right. And I'll tell you, here's a good example. I, mean, I know these guys are tied in with AJ. AJ Fernandez had a sm- much smaller boost, but guess what? It still had the feel of like an AJ Fernandez boost that I've had over the years. It was just smaller. That, that, that was kind of where I was going with that. I, As don't opposed, believe, yeah. I don't believe any of them have to be that much bigger. Right. You know, I, exactly. I part of the problem of the show is it became this grossly exaggerated space that no matter what, just looked empty because no yeah. matter what, it just became absurd. And a lot of people's booths were cut down. Fuente mm-hmm. J.C. Newman was a completely different booth instead of that, like, you know, one mile long alley. Street, yep. Yeah. 
Um, very nicely done. Patron's always a class act, you know, yep. done nice. Steve Saka had a, a, a very engaging and inviting booth area. And he doesn't spend a lot on that booth. He'll tell you that. That's not an expensive booth. And no, that's been, it's, it off. It yeah. done nice. It was done nice. Exactly, exactly. Nice. And, 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 you know, I, like like a good bush needs pruning. I've said this for years. The trade show needed pruning down. It needed to get more control. But some people went too far and just went totally like. Right. And, and, I mean, put up a banner at a table and take whatever orders come my way. Right, right. Uh, I think uh, I think good morning Gus is here. Uh, hey Gus. Have you as well. Thank you for coming and thank you for sharing your experience guys from the show. We weren't there at the floor, but what do you think guys should happen? Uh, because it's it's also uh, when I hear those things oh. I feel I feel a little bit disappointed and sad. But what yeah. are the steps that uh, we, only have, we only have 15 minutes left in this show. <laughs> so yeah. what to talk to do. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I think look, I think that Scott and his team are good people, and I look, I think they did a good job on that. You know, they worked as hard as they could, right? I think the organization needs a PR me, makeover. I think they need a PR makeover. I really do. Now you, now I'm getting incited. Yeah, they worked as hard as they could. Where does that statement come from? You, what do you mean? Explain that. That's a statement. They right. worked as hard as they could. This means they didn't do their work properly. What, what, make, what makes you say they worked as hard as they could? I did not see hard work there. They, they Look, how much could they do based on the resources they had at hand? That That's my point. How much could they – they had very little resources to work with this year. How, how do you know that? How do I know that? Because yeah. they, furloughed, they, they furloughed some of their staff members. They had one of their key people who's the event person on maternity leave. So I, I do believe that they, they worked hard. They were running around like crazy. But I also think that their resources were limited this year. I mean, Abe, I've seen some of these trade shows in the past. Go back to some. We went through some of who the executive directors and and PCA pres or IPC presidents for. This is a lot better. We had better access to the lead. I know the media had better access to the leadership this year. Um, it was not perfect. I'm not ready to say this, this trade show gets an A by any means. But believe me, it's a lot better than it was three or four years ago for a lot of us. I think whatever inherent problems that have existed for now almost a decade are still there. And I don't believe any of it was addressed on any level, which is the biggest problem. They, they, they need public relations help because this, it, this organization has a bad reputation. That we, and I'll say Scott probably inherited a lot of this. They need a better help in the event planning piece. you know. So they need those two things. And I know it costs money, but I think that would be money well invested if they go the right direction with that. I, I, you know, when I left the board, I have to really look it up to see. It's got to be almost 10 years ago. Can I just say it? Yeah. Can I say it? I mean, in fairness, we had limited resources, you know. I've had limited resources my, of my career. My, my, you know, our assistant was pregnant at the time, um, you know. Fair. And we worked, we worked it out, and we put on a show that we're still, you know, getting thanks for. These guys had two years, man. Okay, it's I mean, a fair comment, Alex. Years. I'm not going to argue. It's a, fair, it's a totally fair comment. Look, you can make excuses. I'm, I'm going to get the job done, guy. Right. I could give you a million reasons why, excuses why you can't get the job done, but you can always get the job done. When I left, they had, a, they had a treasure. They had a war chest of money. So I don't know if they just mismanaged or depleted it. But when I sat on the board, money wasn't an issue. Now, 
how you spend it, whether you want to spend it cheaply, whether you want to invest it. But I'll just summarize this like this, Coop. I would have taken a loss this year if I had to, hired outside help, that because this yeah. was this was the monumental year. This was the transition show of the loss of many of the major players. Yeah. This was the one you had to, no matter what, say, we're going over the top. Yep. If we, if this thing's going to have any transition to make a change, this is the one. Not next year, not the year after. This is the one. And to boot, they had more time than ever to make a plan A, B, C, D. You got 11 people on the board. Right all there. volunteer their time. And I've been on this board. Most of their volunteer work is I show up for a monthly phone call and then don't do nothing. I, I, I was on the board when I saw that happening. Uh. You know, so, you know, this was the time, like, you had to show the world that the show is where you want to be this time of year. The right. show is going on. You want to be here because it's awesome and it's fun because no one cares about the rating of the orders. No, they don't. I, I You know, Abe, I keep hearing people say we had record, record sales orders, right? I, it, 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 had, why why were manufacturers leaving a day early or packing up on day four if there was all this ordering it's, happening? It's, 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 I'm going to tell you why. The majority of the work was done in two days. Okay. The majority of the work was done in two days and people left because there's no reason to stay, which is my point. Right. You know, and if they stay, they may buy more. They may stop and go see that guy they never thought of seeing. You know, they went, they did their business, and they left. You know, and I can't blame them. And and, and their their solution, which once again, the path of least resistance, and we're going to get into all this on Monday. But oh, let's make PCA specials. So inherently, what they've done is they're they're, they're following the TAA model. They're going to saturate this market this year with 20 or 30 different PCA editions, of which one or two will be sought after and, and important. And then what's a retailer like me going to do next year? If there's a PCA only, you got to be there to get it. I'm going to pay for one employee to go for one day, order all the PCA cigars, and come home. That's what's going to happen unless you make it worthwhile. And they've never addressed it. They haven't addressed it, and the problem's bigger because it's about a decade of the same people who's had the power. People don't realize the board is five people, basically, who, who are on the tenure for over a decade. And if you look at the last 10 people that have been on that executive board, the other people like me, we just come and go. We bounce off three years, we come off. And if you look, historically, you'll see a lot of people in the last 10 or 12 years have been on the board two or three times. You need fresh blood. It yeah, does. You, you, yeah. And the way it's set up is inherently bad. Well, yeah, I agree with you on it's that. It's bad. So if you don't change that, you can't solve a problem until you go to the very root of what the problem is, which is seldom ever talked about and addressed. That's what the problem is. Yeah. You know, Abe, on the PCA exclusive thing, like which I did not think most companies did a good job. I mean, Illusioni Dion, and I'm not trying to pick on Dion. I love Dion. He had a PCA exclusive. It wasn't even on display. It was, like, how do you have a PCA exclusive? How do you have this series and, most, it, and someone's not even displaying up the product? It makes no sense. Them, most of them rushed. You won't see yeah. a lot of these come out for months. Most of them felt compelled. Most of them felt rushed. I'll be venture to say a very small handful that really put in a ton of effort to make a PCA exclusive. 
You know? Were, yeah, no, it that was our comment exactly. It felt like a lot of companies checked the box. Oh, we did it, but there wasn't a lot of fanfare around it. Like, there was, like Crown Heads really did put a lot of effort in Ace Prime. I they put a lot of effort into it. Handful. You could tell really put effort into it. Yeah, yeah. But, but this is what they think is the savior. To me, it's, it was just the barest minimum path of least resistance. Minimalist show. The minimalist show. Yeah. So, you know, I, there's there's real inherent problems. For me, I don't think this was a successful trade show as far as it being a successful show. Did companies that go there write up a lot of business? Absolutely. Did it happen? Absolutely. And if that's your requirements for it to have been successful, great. But we all know, it's not a secret, that in the last 10 years, there's a deterioration of not just the show itself, but the psychology and the mentality behind the show and going to the show. And you would think with a whole extra, not having COVID last year was a saving grace that was not taken advantage of in any form or fashion. Sometimes you gotta figure out a way to push through and make things happen. This was the year. They had a whole extra year, a whole extra year to come up with plan A, B, C, and D with 11 volunteers, you know, and nothing happened. Because so it, what, yeah. it's, it's not these retailers' main concern. Their main concern is their own business, which half of them, half of them are nowhere better off than they were 20 years ago. The people have been on the executive board, and these are my friends. I'm going to alienate and probably piss off a lot of people. But these guys who have been on the executive board and the, the five people before them, so if you look at the last decade of executive board, these were guys that were at top of the game 25 years ago and in the last two decades they're either the same organization or maybe even less of an organization they were this is who's leading our trade show and our trade association <laughs> you chuckle but no but you and i had a conversation a couple of days ago and there was kind of some we validated this you and i on the phone you're not wrong on that piece yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm probably gonna. Yeah, that's why I'm. That's why I'm chuckling. I understand where you were going with a lot of this stuff on the phone on Thursday. I, I, I'm probably gonna piss a lot of people off, but you know, I feel it's my duty to right. call it out. We will, I think we all want the show to be better, Abe. This is not like we're trying. Listen, to be, I like going to the show. I, I, I really do. I it's do too. Was, I had fun at the show this year. I'm not saying I didn't have fun. Yeah, it, it's it's great to honestly in any industry, that's just like a family reunion. I just went to my wife's family <laughs> reunion in Cantonment. It's great to get together with your family and the people you love. And, to, you know, I I had the opportunity to meet a lot of retailers for the first time. It was very, very cool. I met a lot of old retailer friends. A lot of people wanted my advice, picked my brain. I was happy to talk to them. I asked them questions. It was great. But is there a need for me to go to this every year? Outside of that, no. You know? I mean, yes. Abe, Abe and, and uh, Koo, you're both right about this. And uh, hopefully uh, uh, it changes and uh, there will be new uh, uh, ideas. Members, yes. uh, you know, it is, it, more it is healthy debate, guys. What we're doing right now, what we're listening to you, I know it's sound and it, 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 it's obviously it is a flop. It was frustrating for anyone who was on the floor there. And uh, it is sad, but ho hopefully this will change. And I agree with, with you guys that, you know what, when you have someone being on that board for that long, it's great to have them. 
but at one point we need fresh blood because there's always new ideas. There's always something better outside that will make each and every industry on its own greater if we bring those guys to lead. You need sometimes a fresh leadership. Like like what, uh, what Abe did with the big smoke. Uh, people cannot come to him. He brought it to them. The, the great smoke. We don't want to upset your friend. Yeah, 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 exactly. The great smoke. You know, you brought it to them, and that's 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 the key. That's the new idea, the new uh, 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 blood that you are yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously it was bad. Obviously it was bad, guys. I wasn't there, and uh, I feel bad. I feel bad, but hope, hope we hope things will change. And as you said, and I'm gonna hit on this. You know, you get a great opportunity after 2020, and you have the right stage to shine again. You have a full year to prepare and come like on top of the moon. But obviously, it didn't happen. And you know what? I I feel bad for that. They missed. They, in my opinion, I don't want to be down on this because we're going to talk more about it on Monday. But they missed an integral opportunity and a moment of time that had to be addressed. Wow. This was it because had it been done right, you have a lot of people talking and a lot of people who want to come next year who didn't come. Yeah. And now you have half the people who said, yeah, I, I just don't see this going anywhere. Why am I going to come next year? The complete opposite effect. And, you know, I'd like to see the show continue. It's what now? 88, 90 years. How much is it? Coop? It's gotta be almost 90 years. Yeah. Uh, 88. This was the 88. Yeah. 88 years. You know, and, and really, I mean, who wants to be on the regime that say, hey, we killed the show after 88 years? That's bad. That's bad. Yeah. It's, it's, it's terrible. Other, other, other than our little show, pre-show uh, synopsis, uh, Coop, was there anything else you wanted to discuss this week? No, I, I think, that, like I said, this was pretty much the uh, the week of the trade show. Um, so now we're in the aftermath and the analysis and we'll start seeing stuff ship. Probably there's I mean, stuff's already started to ship. I guess Benoit's got that black cigar out already, so um, the six hundred one black. So you'll start seeing more of this stuff shipping over the next six weeks or so. And and but here's the one thing I'll, I'll close out with. There, I talked to a lot of companies, and a lot of companies are planning more fall releases than probably we've seen in the last few years. So you know, I, I think there's some companies that just put some projects aside because they just couldn't get it ready for the trade show. So I think we'll have more fall releases announced than we may have in previous years. All right. Cool. Great. Well, that being said, uh, always check Coop out. He's going to have a lot of news at cigar-coop.com. <laughs> uh, being that Alex was running the helm, Coop was a trade show, we have a very special edition of Tale of the Tape this week. So season two has been pro wrestling, and obviously, uh, you know, what, what number are you guys at now? Three? No. Six. Six. Wow. Six. Six. Pretty holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you got the top six, four more left. They didn't have time to work on it. So uh, as a sub-highlight, uh, the four of us got together and decided to do our topic of what we feel our favorite soda is. And, Paul, I'm going to let you start off with it. Oh, good. I'm so glad you let me go first. So – I listen, we could have done like generic, but I didn't want to do generic. I want to do like that sought after like soda, like that, that I enjoy. And the reason why I'm so excited, you'll see later on, 
But um, I enjoy Coca-Cola over Pepsi. I just throw that out there. Uh, but when it really comes down to it, when I want like a really good soda, I go to this guy. Oh, dude. Root beer. No wonder you're happy you went first. We have the same one. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. I actually and and it's funny because I was toying between the ginger beer and the root beer, but the ginger beer, while you can drink it alone, you mostly mix it with stuff. But I the, there's something about their root beer that reminds me. And and I was just in um, I was just in uh, Pennsylvania in Amish country, and and root beer is a big thing there. And it, it is very similar to that like home brewed root beer taste. It's just a real real good spicy taste so i'd like to, I, that is my pick i might as well expand on it now since we have the same drink so virgil's root beer. i have a picture i have a different picture for you yeah so virgil's root beer is my pick too oh. um and, and look there's root beers that have great flavor like i'm a fan of boylan's as well but this one has the right com carbonation level for me i find I, um, I find boylan's a little flat but um it's really made i, I don't know if you looked this up paul right but, you know, it says all natural, but I just want to read you the ingredients that goes into a Virgil root beer. I mean, it, it, it's something else, okay? It's got a blend of natural spices. It uses pure cane sugar, but includes anise from Spain. They even tell you the country of origin. Okay, licorice from France, vanilla from Madagascar, cinnamon from Sri Lanka, and cloves and nutmeg from Indo Indonesia, wintergreen and cassia oil from China, and pimento berry oil from Jamaica, and balsam oil from Peru. That's so you want to talk about a lot of specialty yeah. ingredients in a single bottle of root beer. The best this, of the best. International. Yeah, this best is the best. This yeah. it for me. Virgil root beer is always a home run for me. No discrimination. Wow. International. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Mine is club soda over Perrier because I don't have uh, French things in me. <laughs> club soda over Perrier. That's like putting water over water. <laughs> <laughs> More than Perrier. <laughs> Yeah. I like I like Coke over Pepsi and uh, Perrier's. What's Coke's pick? Let's just do a quick vote here. Wait, man, wait, man, yes. wait a minute. Can we uh, can we get in here? No, I'm just curious. Now I'm going to go to you guys. But who, who's a, who's a Coke over Pepsi fan here? I'm Coke. Uh, whatever. I'm Pepsi. I'm, I'm, I'm Pepsi. Whatever. I'm, I'm Coke. As more fizz to it. All right, go ahead, Alex. Hit it up. Uh, for me. First, I want to – well, Topo Chico, if we were talking carbonated waters by far. There's Topo Chico and there's everybody else. Um, but for me, first, I want to correct Paul. While root beer may be popular in Amish country, the true soda of Amish country is my pick, Pennsylvania Dutch birch nice. beer. And uh, Pen birch beer is, I mean, essentially a cousin of root beer, but with a little more of a mint and spice to it. It's probably the best soda that most of you have never had. Yeah, I've never had it. I can't lie. It's unbelievable. Yes. I've had birch beer. I had birch beer while I was there. It's clear, no, I've right? Had Alex? Birch beer. That's... Yeah, but I don't know if it was Pennsylvania Dutch birch beer. It was from a tap, but it's good. I, there's not, there's very, it's very similar to root beer. It's similar to root beer. It's a little spicier. It's a little spicier. It has a little more mint to it, a little more kick than, than the average root beer. All right, Coop, what's yours? All right, so I went with a cream soda. And cream soda is very hard to get in the Carolinas, is what you'll find. But you can get it. Um, but I picked Dr. Brown's cream. Oh. Uh, New York original. Uh, I mean, if you want a cream soda, and what I mean with cream soda is it tastes like 
it's creamy. It's it's smooth. Uh, I think Dr. Brown's totally knocks it out of the park. Uh, they make a lot of other good sodas. Their, their black cherry soda is famous. They have a celery yeah, I love soda. black cherry. Yeah. The black, the, yeah, I almost picked the black cherry for theirs as well because it, it, it's very well known. They do a root beer, but I would not put it in the root beers that you guys had, so I'm glad I didn't pick the root beer. But their cream soda, I think, is the one that stands head and shoulders. Wow, uh, it's New York. That is New York coop. Yes, absolutely. There's That's a bottle a of it here on my parents' counter <laughs> when I when I came in last night. I put the boys to bed, and Coop sent me a text with this picture. I was like, "Holy shit!" I sent them a picture of the bottle. On yeah, the yeah. Camera. I was like, I, "Yeah, that was funny." I was like, "Yeah." You can't go to any <laughs> legitimate Jewish delicatessen without seeing Doctor Brown. So Doctor Brown, yeah, is, yeah. yeah it, it is. It is really good. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's it for Tale of Tape. We'll be back next week, continuing with our season two edition of Pro Wrestlers. And now, as in our typical closing every week on KMA Talk Radio, it's time to see who belongs in a cigar insane asylum. Welcome to the Cigar Asylum. Did you know I'm utterly insane? We all go a little mad sometimes. Where logic and reason cease to exist. Okay, we have an interesting one this week. A California correction officer, female, was convicted of having sex with an inmate in full view of the other prisoners. Wow. Gina Gonzalez, 27. Paul, you got a picture of this? Uh, I, I do, but it's not uh, It's not formatting properly. I have to save it a different way. I have it all. It's just not loaded up. I'll get it. I'll get it. You've discovered that now? Yeah, because I didn't upload it before. Okay. So Tina Gonzalez, and we'll pop, we'll pop a picture up. It, it's by no means, you know, bad to look at. Um, admitted to the crimes, her attorney, Martin Talisnik, claimed that her marriage was falling apart when she committed these acts. A great reason. That, that, that makes it perfectly okay. It was never her intention to bring any harm or danger to the employees in the jail or anyone else in the jail, said her lawyer. This is the correction officer, ladies and gentlemen. Uh-huh. Dear Lord. Yes. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> In addition to sex, Gonzalez reportedly gave the inmate, the one that she was having an affair with, razor blades and a cell phone. She also uh, tipped off her lover to um, scheduled cell phone searches. Well, you got to take care of your boo. Yeah, she got to take care of her boo, all right. (laughs) Cutting a hole in your pants. Cutting a hole in your pants to make it easier to have sex with an inmate and having intercourse in full view of 11 other inmates is something only a depraved mind could come up with, Fresno wow. County Assistant Sheriff Steve McComas said. And to boot, Gonzalez continued to maintain, maintain contact with her inmate for over a year after she was a cor- a caught, according to the phone logs. Gonzalez will spend 210 days in jail and will serve two years of probation. Now, here's a thought before we all knock Miss Gonzalez. This could be a very popular new way to convince felons to drop their appeals and save taxpayers a fortune in court cost. Regardless, Ms. Gonzalez, you are this week's <laughs> inductee into the Cigar Insane Asylum. <laughs> I know some guys might want to go to prison on purpose if they knew uh, she was uh, yeah. in her, they, she was in their block. Oh, my God. Did they smoke cigars? Uh, that- <laughs> <laughs> right? 
All right. That being said, I uh, really want to thank – oh, go ahead, Alex. No, just before you go, I want you guys to – you and Coop to plug where you're going to be Monday. A lot of people are asking. I'm sure people want to hear it again and are going to be looking forward to that Monday show. That Developing Palettes. Yeah, and so this is Aaron's show. Uh, Aaron's my co-host on Primetime, uh, but Aaron is actually uh, putting this whole show together on his brand, Developing Palettes. That's going to be Monday night. You can tune into the Facebook Live uh, on the Developing Palettes page, uh, so definitely tune in to that, 9 p.m. Eastern. Awesome. Um, I'll be on there. Could be on there. A lot of other people on there. It should be an interesting show. I want to thank everybody for joining us this Saturday morning. We hope we made this Saturday morning entertaining and enjoyable for you for these past few hours. Join us next week as we have Scott Weeks of Iconic Ooh. Leaf. Hasn't been on the show for Oh, it's been a while. Yes, it should be very he, sweet. He was at the trade show, actually, too. He was at the trade show, working hard, as always. Yeah. Really, Gus, thank you for coming on KMA for the first time. It was a pleasure to finally actually meet you guys face-to-face and have you on our show. And hopefully uh, we'll have you on again when you guys are ready to talk about that new line. Coop, I will see you Monday. Everybody else, have a great weekend. Keep it lit.